Welcome to the My Opinion Podcast, the leadership podcast for women. This is a show that focuses on leadership, life, and love to empower women around the world to be the leader of their life. The My Opinion Podcast is a weekly show with Maya's Motivation Monday, focusing on leadership topics for women that feature guest interviews as well as solo episodes with Maya. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the My Opinion Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now in her opinion, here's your host, Maya Roffler. Hi guys, welcome back to My Opinion. Today I have an amazing guest. Her name is Gabriel Dolan. Gabriel, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks, Maya. I'm glad to be here. And I love I love the name of your podcast too, My Opinion, based on your name. Very, very clever. Thank you so much. You know, I get so many compliments about it. And it's actually like it was a nickname that came about in my 20s. And then it kind of just stuck. And now it's my brand. So it's kind of cool. There you go. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So the first thing I want to bring up again, thanks for being on the show, is your book that has come out quite recently about magnetic stories. Tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit about the book and then obviously this will evolve, but tell us about the book. Yeah, this is, so this is my sixth book, which I find amazing because I I actually failed English in my final year of school. So that's quite hilarious. But this book came about, I actually thought, you know, when I wrote my last book, I thought, there's only so many books you can write on storytelling and authentic leadership. But so I wasn't thinking I was going to write another one. But what I noticed is brand storytelling and storytelling is getting really popular at the moment. And what I saw, I saw two things. I saw companies trying to implement brand storytelling and not doing it really well, like not doing it well at all. And I heard a lot of stories from leaders from, you know, in companies. And I was thinking, why aren't they sharing those stories? Because those stories would be really powerful for their employees to hear and their customers hear, but they weren't sharing them. And they weren't sharing them because I think they didn't understand the power of stories and then they didn't know how to. So there's only so many times I can sort of get frustrated at things. And then I go, you know what, I should write a book about this to show people how to do it. So that's, that's the whole concept of the book, Magnetic Stories. And why it's called Magnetic Story. So it, it, it actually took a while to find the name. I was, I was trying to find a name that meant, you know, when, once you hear a story, once you hear a story, you can be really attracted to it. Like it can be this instant attraction that's really hard to pull away from. And so I sort of use magnetic stories as the metaphor for that. So once, you know, it's like a magnet, you can, it's an instant attraction that's really hard to pull away from. I fell in love with the name like instantly. So that's why I was like, let's talk about the book first. Well, for many reasons, because it's a great transition, but I mean, yeah, I get it. Like magnetic stories. Like when you're into a story, it's like a book that you can't put down or when someone's telling a story, you're at a great keynote, right? Or you're watching a Netflix show or whatever it is, and you're just sucked in. So that's incredible. So you found- yeah, my my. Can I tell you my husband's suggestion for my book? He was thinking yes. about it, and he came out really excited. And he goes, "I've thought of the name for your book." And I go, "Tell me." And he went, "Teflon stories." And I just <laughs> looked at him and I said, "That is the complete opposite of what I want to do. Like Teflon, nothing sticks to it." And he just went, "Oh yeah, that's that wouldn't work." <laughs> it's just like anyway, back to what you were doing. Oh my God! Well, as we say in the south. Bless his heart, because that's right. <laughs> and I do, and I do say that. So it's actually, it's actually given me a good thing to say: Are your stories magnetic or Teflon? So he has given me a good question to ask. 
I, I love that. Okay. So, you know, it's, I think it's sweet sometimes how like our partners want to help us. And then, you know, it kind of evolves, right? Because I understand my husband's a chef. So like we do very different things. So it's great to bounce things off, but sometimes, you know, you get that look where you're like, really? I don't know about that one. Well, my, my husband's, my husband's the opposite of a chef. That's why he had no idea what Teflon was. (laughs) to bring that up. I'm like, wait, what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't cook. That's for sure. Oh my God. That is so funny. So these, so magnetic stories, you know, I love it. I love the fact that you brought up that you failed English and now you've got six books. So congratulations. And that should be inspiring to anyone who's listening to this, because I think, you know, sometimes when we, when we quote unquote fail, you know, it's, it stops us sometimes, but you know what? It, it really shouldn't. It's a learning lesson. It's not the end. And here you are with six books. So yay for you. Congratulations. That's incredible. But you wanted to do this because you saw this pattern over and over because you work with, or you're around a lot of C-suites, a lot of like people on a high level, and you found that they kind of weren't opening up. Is that kind mm. of the inspiration behind that? Yeah, well, I guess it's sort of the inspiration of why I got into what I do. I've, I've, so I've been teaching, you know, business people, leaders, how to share, how to communicate more effectively through stories for about 17 years now. So a long time before storytelling was really popular. And, and the way it came about is I, I used to work in corporate. I was, you know, I was a senior leader in corporate. I worked in corporate all my career up until then. And there's a couple of things that happen. I experienced the firsthand challenges of leadership when you were communicating something and your people weren't getting it or you were trying to influence and you just you know couldn't and you felt like you were hitting your head up against a brick wall. And I was feeling that personally, but I was also seeing you know all my peers around me and all other leaders with the same challenge, like you know how do you communicate and influence more effectively as a leader? So that's why I sort of got into what I did because I noticed storytelling as a way to do that. And I can go into more about that later, but yeah, what, I, what I've noticed and why I keep writing the books is I, I work with leaders all around the world and they face the same challenges around communication and influence because it's hard and storytelling is a way to sort of meet some of those challenges. I agree. And I, I myself went through a lot of challenges, especially as an early leader. And I talk about that a lot on my solo episodes just being able to communicate or knowing what I could open up about or what's appropriate or how to talk about things or, oh, communication is key. It's like the heart of leadership. It's the soul of everything, but being able to do it effectively, that's a whole other ball game. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, that's a kind of a loaded question for you, but you've been doing this a really long time. Yeah. Look, I think, I think what happens is I think we, we, when, we're, when we're young, we do this. I think when, as we get it, one of the benefits of getting older, you do get a bit of wisdom, but it's, it's only one of the benefits. It's <laughs> when, when we're younger and we're in a career and, you know, we're ambitious and we're climbing the corporate ladder, so to speak, and we land a role that has leader in the title. The mistake we make is because we've got leader in our title that we're a leader and that is, that is not correct. So what often happens is that people get promoted because of their technical ability. And so, you know, whether they're, they could be in finance and they get promoted because they're really good at finance, or they could be in IT and they get really or marketing. So they get promoted because of their skills around what they're doing. 
And then all of a sudden, because they've been promoted, they're now in charge of people. So they have to step into this leadership role and having the title of leader doesn't make you a leader. I I remember I had the great opportunity of um, going to Harvard and doing adaptive leadership about seven or eight years ago. And it was through that program, every time we sort of said they're a leader, we got in we got in trouble from the lecturer because he, he literally said, you're not a leader. You're either exercising leadership or you're not. And a title doesn't give you that. So that's one of the, the things that really, let's say younger people, when they're getting their first leadership role or people management role or whatever you want to call it, really struggle with because they've been promoted because of their technical ability. And now all of a sudden that, that technical ability doesn't really matter much anymore. They have to communicate, they have to influence, and they realize pretty early on, just because you've got leader in your title doesn't mean people will do what you say or want them to do, that you need to, you need to communicate and influence, and that becomes your main job, not your technical job. And that is such a struggle for so many people. And I love what you said. Well, I mean, your experience at Harvard with this whole, I mean, I literally did an episode about this. I did title leadership versus true leadership, because I believe exactly in what you're talking about, because we see this all the time. I know we were chatting before we started recording about this too, because it happens all the time. And I witnessed it myself. I know you've seen it a million times because someone is really, really exceptional in what they do. I have a really heavy sales background and event execution background, but just because someone was the top seller, they would then all of a sudden become Oh, you know, over 20 reps or 50 reps. And then they're like, okay, like, great. They didn't have a clue what they were doing in a leadership capacity. And so something that, you know, I'm talking a lot about right now in in a program I'm doing and just with everyone I have on the show is understanding who you are as a leader before you ever get that title. Because I think that's something that's really powerful too, because we wait for this title or we get shocked with a title, like you're talking about, right? Like we're so technically great. And then we get a title and then we don't even know how to be a leader. And I think that's a challenge. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the, so not, not everyone, first of all, not everyone will be a good leader and not everyone wants to be a leader. You know, some people really love what they do in their technical role and they don't have no ambitions to lead people or manage people. I think one of the mistakes in corporate is that the only way you can progress, as in get paid more salary, is to take on people leadership activities. And therefore, we're putting people who want to progress, you know, they want to earn more money, they want to, you know, keep doing new things, but don't necessarily want to do people leadership. And so a lot of companies, what they're doing now is almost having two different ways you can be promoted. And that is around people leadership. So you do take on these people leadership roles or around thought leadership. So you become, you know, the the big technical experts in your area or industry. So I think that offers an opportunity, but the vast majority, the only way to sort of progress through an organization through the, through the ranks, so to speak, climb the corporate ladder is to take on more people leadership activity. So you then have to invest in that, you know, just like you went and learnt the skills to do your trade, you need to learn the skills to be, to exercise leadership and to be a good leader. Yeah, I agree with you. And I watched it happen myself and you continue to watch it happen. And I think that is very frustrating for people who are really into what they do technically and that they're so passionate about that. And 
that's their thing. And they're like, you know what? Like who I work with, I don't want to manage them, you know? And so seeing the thought leadership path is inspiring for me, actually. I mean, I enjoy being a leader. I like leading other people. So that was never an issue for me. But there's so many talented people out there. I mean, I worked in the IT space for a while too. And that's a big space where you see people where, right? Right. For they yep. to stay in their niche or niche. We all say it different, but you know what I'm saying? And so they want to be the thought leader. So talk to us a little bit about thought leadership because I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah, it is. It, thought leadership is probably one of those overused words where people go, I'm a thought leader in this. It's, and first of all, you'd never call yourself a thought leader. It's other people decide if you're a thought leader. It's like right. saying, yeah, you know, other, other people decide if you're good looking. You don't decide if you're good looking. <laughs> Look, thought leadership is literally, you know, you might be working for a company and what, what, what do they want to be known for? And they might want to be known for innovation or their, a great culture or in their technical expertise, like in telecommunication or the 5G stuff going on. And it's just working with leaders to help them develop the way they think so they can deepen and broaden their thinking, which means they can get out and speak about this stuff more and write about it, which is raising their profile within the industry and then by default, raising the profile of the company. So it's used as a bit of, um, it's, used, it's used for several things. It, it is used to attract and retain your really talented people, but it's also used to raise the, the profile of the company. It, so it, it does a few things. So look, the vast majority of the way you're going to progress through an organization is through that people leadership skill. So I still think even though there's an option for that thought leadership, the other option is when people take on leadership roles, develop them. Like just companies need to invest in developing their people so they can evolve and grow into good leaders, not just throw them in the deep end. And I watched that happen so many times in the time that I was in corporate America. And this is, I mean, this is an international problem. This is not just <laughs> corporate America. This no, is an it's issue not, yeah. everywhere. So like, what would it, some advice, you know, I have my own ideas and my own opinions, obviously, because of my show, but what is some, I mean, we're talking to an expert here. You have, you talk about this all the time. What are some things that you think should be implemented or could be implemented and could be done better in companies, big or small to help individuals when they're stepping into a leadership role? And it's so new for them because I, I look at, you know, objectively, sometimes you can be like, that looks so obvious. You could help them with this. But mm. what are some tips you can give on that? So for corporates, I remember, th- now this is showing my age. I remember going back into the year 2000 as we were going, and I was in technology. So I'd spent, I'd started my career in 1984 in technology. So I'd been, you know, a mainframe computer operator. I, I'd worked all my, you know, for the first 10 years of my career as a, you know, in technology. And then I sort of evolved into learning and development and, and working with them to provide training because I, I, did, I saw, just saw this need that we're asking employees to do something, but we're not investing in giving them the skills to do it. So we're setting them up for failure as opposed to success. And while we were pretty good at giving them the technical skills to do their job, I would see these like first-time leaders who in people leadership role and they weren't getting leadership training. and. Leading up to the year 2000, so in tech, you were in technology, so you would know it was all about, well, maybe you're too young, but it was all about, are you Y2K ready? Because remember, the whole world was going to stop when the calendar switched over to 2000 yes. because 
every single computer was going to stop in the world, apparently. And so companies invested so much time and effort leading up to Y2K to make sure that their computers were ready. And what I noticed that there was no investment in their leaders. So I, um, I developed a program, and this is why I loved your name, Maya, my opinion, because I love a good take. I developed a program around leadership and it was, are your leaders Y2K ready? Because, you know, it was just saying, we're spending all this time on investing in technology stuff. We need to invest in the leaders. So again, it's first time leaders is a big gig. Get them in, give them training and and not just a two-day training, give them mentoring and coaching. And, you know, in my career, I I worked at National Australia Bank, which was one of Australia's largest banks. They They did really well with professional development. We would be on you know, 12-month leadership programs where you'd come together once a month and do all this work. So really invest them, give, give your leaders a space where they can come together and talk about the current challenges, but then, you know, keep investing them as, you know, just like things evolve, leadership evolves. So, you know, the whole concept of storytelling, no one was talking about, oh, we need storytelling training 15 years ago, but everyone's going, we need our leaders to be better at storytelling. So give them storytelling training because it's, it's not easy. It's hard. It, like empathy training, people are talking, we need to be all empathetic. So do empathy training. So whatever, as the expectations of leadership evolves, across, and, that, and that happened, that is worldwide, as the expectations of leaders evolve, you need to train your current leaders. So you could have leaders who are 40 or 50, but if we're now, you know, and again, I come back to storytelling, it's what I do. But if we're now saying we expect our leaders to be really good at bringing our values to life through stories, then train them how to do that because it's a lot harder than you think. So that, that, would, that would be my advice to corporates. If you expect your leaders to be acting in a certain way, then set them up for success with training and don't set them up for failure. Yeah, very well said. And, and can, I, can I also say for the individual yeah. leader, yes. when your company offers professional development training, take it. The amount of, the amount of leaders that, prioritize a meeting over a professional development training that could actually help them for their entire career is astounding. And why why anyone would do that, I've got no idea. When someone else is giving you the opportunity for professional development and paying for it and giving you time and you go, oh, I'm too busy to go, that is just, it's just shooting yourself in the foot. So please, every opportunity, you might even think you don't need it, or whatever, take it because it is such a gift that corporates give their leaders. Take it, every opportunity, take it. Oh my God, I agree with you so much. In my opinion, like that is one of the best gifts that you can get too. Like I just, I, I think that is just so tried and true. Like, and I, and you don't get that everywhere. So if you're working somewhere where they do that, like take advantage of it. You are so right. Absolutely. Take advantage of it because you know, a lot of companies don't do it. And also I remember when I left corporate Australia and you went, I went out on my own and I looked into doing some like professional development and you go, this is really expensive. <laughs> it's just, I didn't, oh, I didn't yeah. so take it, take it, take it, take it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, my first like corporate experience, I had an employer who actually did that, gave us the opportunity to do those things. And I was so young. I was in my early 20s. And it really helped me through so many difficult times in leadership. And I think that's one of the reasons I was able to catapult so quickly forward in leadership. 
So yes, I mean, I am with you. We're both begging all of you listening, <laughs> make sure you take advantage of that at any age. You know, if I wasn't at any age. running my own company now, I would be, you know, I still take classes myself and I have mentors myself, even just doing the podcast and listening to you guys, like this is mentorship for me. It is so important because great leaders are always learning leaders. And so you're always evolving. Yeah. Maya, when, when I hear people sort of go, I, I don't need that, or I don't have time for that. In my head, I just think you, you're clearly not a very good leader because like you said, I, I agree with you too. Good leaders are constantly involving because they know they have to, to because the people they lead are evolving. They're evolving. It's just, um, you know, it's sort of like it, like parenting. You get, you know, your kids are two and you think, oh, I'm actually pretty good at parenting a two-year-old. And then all of a sudden they're four and they're different. And then all of a sudden they're eight. And then all of a sudden they're 16. And you've, as a parent, you've constantly got to evolve the way you, you, you raise a child. As a leader, you've got to evolve because your employees are evolving and your employees are a lot more diverse than your one or two or three kids you have. Yeah. What a great analogy. I mean, <laughs> really think about it. Think if you're parenting your two-year-old and then you're going to stay the same until they're 18. That's just not Yeah, that's work. not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, it's not going to work. And it's right. just, it's just, and so why, why do we think we can stay the same as leaders? Right, right. And I, you know, I think, again, I, we're going to harp on those, the learning leader thing, but I just think it's so important. And it, that's a red flag to me too. When someone's like, I don't need that. I don't need to do that. I'm like, okay, this is not the leadership that, you know, I would want to follow. And I understand why some of the people might be frustrated too. But I want to go back to something you were saying too, when we were kind of breaking this all down, when you were talking about, okay, a leader putting forth the values or the expectations, then not actually showing or giving the tools and skills and mentorship on how to implement. I've seen that so much too, right? Where you walk into an organization or I mean, I've, you build an organization, I've been at startups, you work with all these different types of people, right? And they're like, okay, our mission is that we give the best this, and this is what we do, and we help people, and our values are honesty, integrity, and they go through all of them, right? And then that's it. It's like, okay, Maya, go run with it, be a leader, and instill that in your team of 10 or 15. Well, wait a second. Would it, like, okay, I'm running my opinion for you. How do, like, how do I do that for you? Like how, what, mm. what kind of leader, right? There's no true mentorship on how to implement the values, the mission, the vision, and the whole purpose. That's where I find a lot of the disconnect too. What do you think about that? Yeah, there's a massive, uh, it's, it's really frustrating when you see companies go through these big processes. They normally get external people in to come up with their new brand and their new values, and they come up with a new strategy. and then communicate it via PowerPoint and expect people to understand and connect with it. So one of the things, so there's a couple of things. I, I truly believe that storytelling should be the basis of any induction or onboarding program. I know you guys call it onboarding, we call it induction. But so if you're sort of saying our value is trust and integrity, I truly believe that for you to understand what that means, that the leaders, the CEO, the senior leaders, the person, the leader you're working with, should be able to explain all of those through personal stories of their own, which helps you really, really connect with it. 
and this is why this is why I the vast majority of my time I go into organizations and I say if you want to communicate your strategy and values in a way people really connect and engage your leaders need to be sharing personal stories so and again for the your people listening who are individual leaders as a leader if you're wanting if let's say integrity is important to you are you just saying integrity is important or First of all, you have to be doing it. You have to like live and breathe integrity, but are you sharing it through a personal story? Do you want me to give you an example of one of my clients, which is- I totally uh, want you to give us an example because I just did an episode on values and knowing your values and showing them. So this is so beautiful. Yes, give me an example. Yeah, great. I can't talk about storytelling and not share a story. So I did some work for a company and one of their values was integrity, which is, you know, most companies have integrity or honesty or respect or whatever. So I run workshops. I literally go in and run training workshops with, with all the leaders in the company. And so I'll give you one example. This leader, her name was um, Anne. And what I do, the first step I do, and again, your listeners can do this. If integrity is important to you, I would say, what does it mean to you? What does integrity mean to you? And I keep asking that question three or four times so they're really clear because I'll say things like it means telling the truth. I mean, okay, what else does it mean? It means if you say you're going to do something, do it. Okay, great. What else does it mean? And I keep pushing, I keep pushing people. And what I find is leaders in organizations who are charged with role modeling these values, after I ask them that question once or twice, they sort of go, hmm, I'm not really sure. You've put me on the spot. I haven't thought about it this much. So the first step is actually thinking about what the value means to me. So back to Anne, I kept saying, what does it mean? What does it mean? And she said, you know, what it really means to me is doing the right thing all the time. She goes, I think we're really good at doing it when it suits us, but not doing it all the time. And that's what integrity means to me, doing it all the time. So I then take people through the process of go, well, can you tell me, have you got a personal story that demonstrates that? And when I say a personal story, I'm not talking about your deepest, darkest fears. It's just got nothing to do with work. So no work-related story at all. So this is the story she shared. And so, so Maya, I'm going to share this story. And then afterwards, I'm going to say, if I was your new leader, what, what would you take from that story? So this is her story, she said. In the early 60s, my dad was a professional swimmer. So he reached the point in his career that he actually tried out for the National Swim Squad. And on the day of the meet, he was apparently winning his race. And he got to the end to do the tumble turn and he slightly misjudged and he missed the wall. Now, this was way before technology. So there was no sensors in the wall and they had judges. But with all the splashing and kicking, He knew they wouldn't know if he missed the wall or not. So he had to make a split second decision. Does he go back and touch the wall or does he just keep swimming? And he decided to go back and touch the wall. Now, you don't really recover from that. And he didn't. And he never, ever made the national swim squad. And I would often ask dad, there must be times when you regret going back to touch the wall. And he would always say, I've never regretted that because if I didn't go back and touch the wall, I'd have to spend the rest of my life knowing I did the wrong thing. And I'm sharing this with you because it reminds me of our value integrity. It's only a matter of time before we will come across our own go back and touch the wall moment. And I invite you to consider what my dad would do. Now, if you've got a leader that says that, what what do you think of them now? Like, what's your take on that? I'm like blown away by that, right? Because I'm like, Mm. okay, that person gets integrity. Like, it sits with me. And you know what I'm going to think when I see you, if you're my leader, I'm going to remember that story. And I'm going to think that is, that's what I hold integrity to. And I'm going to think about that and identify that with the organization. 
and it clicks. Yeah. That's so your your re, your reaction just sums up the power of sharing personal stories to get a business yeah. message across. I really get it. So now you're going, I actually now really get it and understand the message. I'm going to remember it. So you're going to remember it. And it's actually going to then influence your behavior. So if you if you get to the decision, do I do A or B? And, you, and you're sort of going, well, technically we don't have to do A. Legally, we're not obliged to do A, but it's the right thing to do. I'm going to think like, about touching that wall. You're gonna, you're gonna, you are, you're gonna, and Anne has said to me, when those things come up, and someone will go, This is our go back and touch the wall moment. What's the right thing to do? Exactly. It was like, That's what we'll do. I love it. So, that is, we talk about values, we talk about values in action and, you know, values based leadership and values based decision making. Until you communicate the values through a personal story, those values will just remain words on a wall or words on a coffee mug or whatever, you know, companies put them on coffee mugs or mouse pads or cushions or tick, everyone understands the value. Just because they can remember the values doesn't mean they understand them or they're actually acting by them. I agree. And that was such a beautiful story. And I'm going to remember that story myself now. And always always correlate to you. Like it's going to stick. But like, I get what you're saying though, because I can't tell you how many places I've worked where it's been plastered all over the wall. Like mm. here are our values. I worked at one organization where we had to memorize all of them, but none of them were actually being like, we had to recite them and none yeah. of them were actually being executed. And I talk about this a lot on like my solo episodes and the problem with that and, and how I kind of communicate, you know, the organizations that I worked for where it was a positive experience is through storytelling. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how I've been into, it was like you, the way they got values communicated was rote learn them. And, you, and I, I used to think, this is not your seven times table. It was just, just remembering. Or then, then they, companies think they're being really, really clever is they'll make an acronym out of it yeah. so it's easy. And so they'll go like, well, our values are care, yeah. customer. And you know what people go, customer, accountability responsible, I forget what E means. It was like making an acronym out of your values does not make them memorable. And even making them memorable doesn't mean people understand them or act by them. It's just ludicrous. That was a huge lesson I learned too, because now I'm scrolling through the companies I worked through that that did the same exact thing, had an acronym. And maybe there was one or two where I would connect sometimes and be like, okay, yeah, but it, I had a personal story usually with one really good leader in the organization that really impacted me. But you know, now that I'm in a different place and I have this podcast and I'm around so many incredible leaders like yourself that mentor me and we talk about these things, I'm like, but did everybody else have those stories? You know, did everyone else have those experiences? Probably not. And that's why that didn't stick. So I think this is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for giving us an example, because that's the next step. That's the deep part of this. No pun intended with the, with the swimming story, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I love that though, because it sticks it people, it's sticky. So to speak, people remember it. And when you're sitting there thinking about integrity and and what do I do? What's the right thing to do? That's with you as a person. Mm. And that's Mm. powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. That's a magnetic story right there. That's a magnet. It is a magnetic story right there. And, and, and when you think of the challenges of leadership, it's like, so, you know, if you think, okay, you're a leader, what, what are your challenges? And I would suggest they're really around communication and influencing. So 
you know, when you speak to people, when you have the team meeting, when you do the presentation, do people actually understand what you're saying and really understand it? And can I just say, as a leader, do not get fooled by the nods of heads. Just because someone's nodding their head and you go, do you, do you get it? And they go, yep, doesn't mean they do. They walk out of the meeting and go, what the hell was that about? So the challenge is, do people really understand it? Can they remember it? And then does it actually influence them to do something different or think something different or feel something different? Because that's what you're trying to do as a leader. You're trying to get people to think and do and feel something different and get them connected and engaged in stuff. And storytelling will do all of that. Oh my gosh, I agree with you so much because how many times have we been spoken at instead of to by a, I'm using my air buddies here, guys, be a leader, right? (laughs) Leaders, yeah. So the storytelling really solves all of that and creates a totally different environment because you're bringing those people in to you as a leader. And it's, it's totally different. I love this. Yeah. You're getting stories. I've just thought of something then you get bringing people to stories, get people to follow you. And that's what a leader is. If you're a leader and you're telling people, they're not following you. You, you might be getting compliance, but you're not, they're not following you. And if, if you look over your shoulder and no one's following you, you are not a leader. No. And you're not telling a good story, are you? No, <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, tell us where we can buy magnetic stories first. Where can we find that? Uh, well, that's, that's available, you know, on all the usual. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's paperback, it's C version and it's audible. It's not me doing the audio, but it's, is available audio. And if you go to my website, so if people are sort of thinking, how do I start with this? If you go to my website, so gabrieldolan.com, there's a seven day storytelling starter kit. So it's, it's, it's free and it is, it is what it is. It lasts for seven days. You get a video from me once a day for a week. It's a really short couple of minute videos. And it's just a way to get started. To, it's just a way to get you thinking about, you know, where could I use stories and how could I use them? But, um, but Magnetic Stories is my latest book. And that really is about, uh, it's sort of about brand storytelling. And, but again, how you as a leader could share stories. That's fabulous. Okay. So I'll include that in the show notes, your website, Amazing. So seven days with you, right? Is what you're saying. Seven days. <laughs> well, a, a, a couple of minutes, a couple of minutes each day for seven days. But That's yeah, exciting. I, I think seven. Yeah, yeah. You'd get bored with me for seven full days, but yeah, a couple of minutes each day is nice. I don't know about that. I could talk to you for a long time, but I'll put all your social links in as well, your website, so people can connect with you and get those seven days to get started on really their storytelling. That's incredible. So. I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you. And thank you for sharing a story with us. And I appreciate you coming on My Opinion. Thank you so much. Thanks, Maya. Thanks. And thank you guys for listening to My Opinion. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you so much for listening to the My Opinion podcast. You can catch up on past episodes on the My Opinion podcast website at www.myopinionpodcast.com as well as read the My Opinion blog and contact Maya directly with your questions. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at My Opinion Podcast and Maya Roffler. We'll see you back here next week.